And we're back on the Any Given Thursday podcast, World Cup preview, talking about Group D, or as David just referred to it as, Group D's Nuts. Ha 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 This is a good group. Yeah, I definitely eh. think so. Well, never mind. I changed my mind. It's not that good of a group. I think the top two teams in this group are very, very good. Group D features the reigning world champions, Le France. Le Bleu. Le Bleu de France. I don't speak French. Le Bleu. Le Bleu. That's so, the blue. Le blue. Le less blues. Australia. The Socceroos. <laughs> One of the best nicknames in the sport. only other country I know that says soccer like us. No, we Cheers. Stick together. Cheers, bruv. Uh, Denmark, who are many people's dark horse favorites to make a deep run in this tournament, as they did to the semifinals of the 2020 Euros, which happened in 2021. And finally. Tunisia, who we didn't know that much about going into this, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, learned a lot about them, though. Um, the way the fixtures play out here, Denmark opens versus Tunisia, France, and Australia. That's on November the 22nd. November the 26th, Tunisia, Australia, Denmark, France. They wrap up on the 30th with Tunisia, France, and Australia, Denmark. Denmark, France, of course, kind of the, the uh, what's the, the word I'm ticket. looking for? Yeah, big ticket. That's a good phrase. Yeah. It's, the, it's the big game in this group. Um, they actually just shared a Nations League group, and Fr- Denmark beat France twice. Mm-hmm. So, Denmark have had France's number have. more than a few times. So, mm-hmm. could be something to look out for. Let's open with the 2018 World Champions. Yeah, the defending champions. The defending champions. That is France. They're still pretty good. <laughs> they still got some decent players. You know. Yeah. They still have a decent national pool to draw on. Dude, their injured players are. Pretty decent too. The could be could challenge for the ti- for the title. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's just out of the way. The French FA and a bunch of stuff inside the national team are a mess. Mm-hmm. As there's always something going on with the French, yeah. which is why part of why 2018 was was like nothing short of a miracle because they were so together. They were like, like humble. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very rare for a French team. <laughs> they were like normal. They they worked hard. And they, uh, you know, they, they performed. But since then, a lot of shit has gone down. We've seen Kareem the Dream Benzema reinstated into the national team. Uh, mostly, I think, because they thought Giroud's career was going to be over. But then he had a resurgence. Yeah, but, as everyone does but, when they move to Italy. But somehow. no offense to Giroud, who's an excellent player. But Benzema is one of the best strikers in the world, obviously. Benzema just he won, just won the, golden the Ballon d'Or. Boot. Sorry, so. that's, yeah, not the Golden Boot. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about the Golden Boot later. Yeah. He just won the Ballon d'Or. He breaking up the duopoly well, of Messi Modric Ronaldo. First, yeah, that's but, true. That's true. Yeah, but still hasn't broken up the Barca Real duopoly. There's the whole like, uh, there's the there's a huge scandal in the FA about about uh like sexual sexual misconduct ass- and assault, assault harassment. We should point out that it's mostly within the women's FA. Yes, and almost everybody involved are coaches trainers managers connected to the women's mm-hmm. fa so there's a thing you know yeah. it does affect french football as a whole but just one point, like i don't believe anybody currently involved with the men's team or the men's fa was involved in that yep uh, so benzema went to trial for almost certainly blackmailing his teammate back in 2015 <laughs> yeah dude, that story is it's insane that that is not more talk he about. was facing prison time because like, legitimately it an underage woman mm-hmm. so it's like really really bad he that was the Valbuena yes incident. the Valbuena incident where he arranged for 
an underage prostitute to sleep with Valbuena or something and blackmailed him. Or but I don't I, know if it was him driving yeah. it, but he was involved in it. He was involved. I don't think his connection to arranging everything was able to be proven, which is why he didn't face serious prison time. But yeah. the blackmailing stuff was proved, uh, proven as close as you can get without yeah. a. He pretty much got off scot free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because he's a famous, I guess. Yeah. And then there. The, the thing with Pogba's uh, voodoo his, curse on yeah, his, brother, <laughs> his whole brother situation. Yeah, so his brother claims that Pogba placed a voodoo curse on Mbappe, <laughs> and Pogba's obviously come out and said, that's not true. To be fair... I used a witch doctor to try to heal himself, I think was what he said. Uh-huh. Uh, he does admit to employing a witch doctor, for which, I mean, I don't think that's the worst thing someone can do, but... Yeah, his brother claims that the witch doctor was to put a curse on Mbappe, which, if he did, hasn't Pogba, Pogba, worked out I think well. the Mbappe thing, Pogba just claimed that United, when he was on United, were playing PSG in the Champions League, and he didn't yeah. want, and he wanted them to not do well, PSG, as a, that's yeah. his claim. But, I thought he but also his brother like, is so like, he he's got like game. a restraining order against his brother, and they're like, you know, so it's like, yeah. not necessarily a trustworthy source, but anyway, that's just the tip of the iceberg of the French national team, and then on top of that, there's the injuries. Let's go through the list. Pogba, yeah. Conte, who made up the the key base of the midfield that drove the team in 2018, both absent. Kimpembe, late scratch after already arriving for the World Cup. Yeah, got injured in, in training. practice. Uh, Kamavinga just caught. I think it's clearly, yeah. it's clearly just an unfortunate situation, but gets caught by Kamavinga in training and he's out of the tournament. And Kimpembe, first choice center back for, mm-hmm. for and has been for a long time. Mike Mignon, back up to Hugo and goal, who wasn't going to play, but is the best backup, first choice, like first choice backup in the world I mean, I think <laughs> for a, a national team. You know what I mean? would put him ahead of Lloris on talent right now. I would agree. I would play him I mean, ahead of Lloris, and I love Lloris. I, I don't know if I'd bench Lloris, so I think Lloris yeah, is still... He's the captain. Yeah, he's clearly understanding. But like, if anything system. happened to Lloris, you know, you'd want to put Mignon in there. Now they yeah. can't. So, obviously, that's a huge midfield issue mm-hmm. uh obviously there's some center back stuff too but basically they'll midfield will be made up of now i should also mention at the top they were flirting with little back three stuff in the last year mm-hmm. Deschamps came out on media day and said he was going to play a back four so that's yeah. that's done so people who who could slot in almost certainly shua many who yeah, who's in his first year in madrid isn't looks like an absolute world beating star in the midfield, he's like seamlessly replaced a legend in Casemiro, which is no easy task. Kamavinga, his fellow Real midfielder, he's just 20. Chuameni's 22. Um, seems like a possible candidate to start. We know for sure Rabio is going to be joining them in the midfield for okay. reasons. Well, normally <laughs> he's been better. I would say for reasons, because Deschamps love for Rabio. Deschamps loves Rabio. And Allegri's love for Rabio. Some, managers love him, and I don't... And he's such a little whiny bitch. Yeah, he seems like... Everything he says to the public makes him feel like somebody that would just be the yeah. worst person in training. But managers love him, so he's clearly doing something right. Yeah. Um, he, I think, deserves to start, which I would not have said <laughs> a month ago, but he's been incredible. It's kind of wild. I mean, he, yeah. he'd be like sixth on the depth chart normally, but the way it is... Well, still probably find a way to start. Because yeah, because yeah, <laughs> he's obsessed with him. Uh, it's also possible instead of Kamavinga, Yusuf Fafana... Monaco will start alongside yeah. Chouameni and, and Rabio. I think that's possible. Or 
if they play more of a 4-2-3-1, Griezmann could be in the 10 yeah. with the base of Shuameni and Rabiot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's those are possibilities. I think the center back selection is a bit interesting too because now that Kempembe is out and Veron is racing to be fit for match day one, yeah. that's so it would be very fascinating if neither was able to play that first match. Who they would start in the back? Will it be Saliba? Will it be Kunde? Will it be Ubamakano? They really have like so many options. But yeah. all and you know Kunde could also play the right, but it's probably going to be Lucas Hernandez, I would guess. On the right, it'll be Benjamin Pavard. Oh, sorry, Pavard. Yeah. On the left, it'll probably be, be Lucas, Lucas Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I would prefer Teo, but yeah, I think. I mean, I really personally, I want to see Lucas Hernandez at center back. Interesting. And Teo yeah. Hernandez could, at left back. Yeah. Well, the strategy but, in 2018 they did was like. They played literally four center backs. Yeah, and I fully expect them <laughs> to do that again. Yeah. Well, I don't think Pavard's not really a center back. Pavard, he wants to. He's going to leave Bayern specifically so yeah. he can play center back. But he can, he can like come, he can draw, he can play that position yes. well. Yeah. You know what I mean, he's still he's a very good center or right back, mm-hmm. and probably just a good center back. Like he's probably better at right back than he is center back. But he so wants to play. Yeah. Center he back. scored that kind of now iconic goal against Argentina in the right of the of the tournament for sure. Of the year yeah. in history. Like I think Saliba should start. I That's my probably hot take. agree with you. He's young, but he's been an absolute star at Arsenal right now. Mm-hmm. He's been so good this year. And who who would you slot if just if for Varane the fun of it, go. say Veron can't go and you have to put two fresh center backs there? Okay. I personally think I would go with Kunde and Upamakano. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's also Ibrahima Kanate, mm-hmm. who has was really good last year at Liverpool. You know, Liverpool struggling in the back right now, so yeah. it doesn't and reflect it as well. Him, but I don't think he's the source of the problem. Day. He yeah. also doesn't play all the time. I wouldn't say he's um, the source Joe of that. Gomez, I think is a more typical starter, right? Mm. Uh, no, no. Kanate is probably ahead of Gomez on the okay. depth chart. Yeah, but um, uh, it's it's Kanate sort of rotates with yeah. Matip. Yeah. Okay, I'm mostly. Only watch Liverpool in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, but uh, we should also point out Axel De Sassi, Monaco, center back. He was the one called up to, to replace fill in the Kimpembe. Kimpembe yeah. uh, he has not, not played for France at all. Mm, that's a good, yeah. Probably an th- emergency. Yeah. I think he'll get at least one appearance because I think he's pretty good. But, yeah, I don't... I think I'd go with Upamakano and Kunde because I just trust them more than I yeah. do Saliba. I would. I think I would go uh, Kunde and, and Saliba. Yeah, I'm doing this also. Like, I'm not as like a huge Upamakano guy. I that's He's, fair. I just like I think and I think Saliba. Actually, you know what? I don't think Upamakano and Kunde could play well together. I take back my stance. I don't really know. Well, because Upamakano plays on the right side of Bayern's yeah. back three. The thing that Deshaun... and Kunde plays yeah. on the right. So I don't think Upamakano could play on the left very well. So the I guess that, I would go Saliba. And I think Saliba can be flexible and. Like obviously they're gonna play a back four, but he's he that that Arteta system he learns how to be flexible mm-hmm. in different positions yeah. and and means he can he's well comfortable building from the back facing presses mm-hmm. and is also like a big body in the box. I think he's like a little bit of everything, and that's that. I should also mention in, we were talking about midfield that uh, I I skipped over Gwendozi, who I don't think. Deschamps always been a huge fan of, so I don't expect him to start. But he could get some minutes off the bench. Yeah, he's playing better now that he's in Marseille as well. I think yeah. he just fits in that team a lot better than he did at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think Deschamps particularly likes him. Jordan Vertu mm-hmm. as well. Very interesting inclusion because he's twenty nine. He's always just been like 
kind of a spot. I didn't even realize he's gotten any caps, let alone yeah. five. It's just been like an. And Fafana's only got two. Wow, I thought he was more I mean, integrated. Fafana's also pretty young. Yeah, I know. I just thought he was slightly yeah. more integrated in the last couple of years, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a hard midfield to break into. Mm-hmm. I think there too, when he was at Roma, he was getting called up a decent amount, mm-hmm. but just like never really got into the games. I think that'll be. Yeah. The same for him here, where he's called up because he's a veteran, he's a leader, right? He knows how to win games. He's been in really really important matches before and you have a young team so i totally get the inclusion but i don't expect him to play much yeah i think up front is pretty mm-hmm. obvious like they'll have they'll have uh griezmann supporting benzema and 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 mbappe, mbappe on the left mm-hmm. and if they play a 2-3-1 then they'll throw in dembele mm-hmm. on the right probably move griezmann into the, into 10, the 10 in the center there i okay or or some t- or a nice option off the bench is is uh Kingsley Coman. Yes, who I really I like actually Kingsley like Coman. Yeah. And we um, have to get to Nkunko too, but you go first. Well, yeah, so also Marcus Thuram got caught up as well. Mm-hmm. He was the last inclusion they originally announced. Because of Nkunku though, right? No, they originally only announced 25. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Classic to shop. So yeah. I was like, I don't need that extra guy. Fuck him. Yeah. Um, and then, Fuck giving someone a chance. <laughs> and I, I think it's because that they were waiting until the last second to let Mignon try to be healthy mm-hmm. and just say, we'll bring four goalkeepers. But he just wasn't healthy enough. So they decide, like, I just think they had... I think I've heard things about Deschamps that he was considering only taking the former limit of 23 players just because he doesn't... <laughs> just because he didn't want to deal with the bigger squad. <laughs> that would be so Deschamps. Yeah, he's like, he's like, it's harder to keep cohesive team together with 26. I don't want to take him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marcus Theron, probably not going to see the field very much. He's but just, he's fun. He's a fun guy, though. He's a really fun player, though. Um, probably Mbappe's backup would be my guess. Um... But again, like Mbappe is not going to get subbed very often. Mm. Oh, I just looked up this up. It was not Veron, or sorry, Kimpembe was not the one tackled by Kamavinga. It was Nkunku. Oh, it was Nkunku. I'm and sorry. Nkunku was also ruled out last minute this week. Yes. Which is a shame because he probably wouldn't have started, but he would have been like the first guy off the bench, I think. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. maybe. I, I mean, actually don't. I don't think he would have been. He's been, he's played, he's just like so good. I think he and, would have been Mbappe substitute on the left. And really? Mbappe I think he would have come up, 10. I think he would have been the 10 back. back I think he would have been the Griezmann. I think he would have been yeah. like Griezmann's backup. I think he would have been both. Yeah. Um, I, I think thought he, you meant first off the bench as a striker. No. Which for this team is Olivier Giroud. No. Yeah. Who is absolutely. somehow still but doing incredible. Let me circle back really quick to that yeah. tackle because it looks like Kamavinga has gotten a little like racist messaging after mm-hmm. that. And. Yeah that's you hate to see that it's so fucking common yeah. every time in europe that something like this happens or anybody does anything like go to the grocery store and buy cereal mm-hmm. it's like a just like a pouring of like a twitter storm of racist messaging it's insane how it's people think that they go online and suddenly they can get away with that and also it's just insane that they have those thoughts they're like your first instance after seeing what's clearly an accidental injury is mm-hmm. to say you know what let's go racially abuse this player yeah. kamavinga is like He's a 20-year-old who's, like, already performed to such high standards at Madrid. Yeah. It's, like, a, it's incredibly ridiculous. And, I mean, the hypocrisy to say those things to him and then turn around and cheer him on when he's on the field for France. Yeah. it's absurd. But as soon as he takes the jersey yeah. off, suddenly... We saw this stuff just... with, like, the England squad last summer mm-hmm. after after they missed penalties. It was Sancho, Saka, and Rashford. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You hate to see that. Mm-hmm. 
Hopefully, I mean, we don't have to talk about that as yeah. much as we, we probably will say, during the World Cup. This isn't a French issue. Like, we no. talked about I mean, it is, but it's an everybody it is, issue. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked it's about everybody the English issue. having issues with it, the Italians, Italians and Spanish, particularly. Yeah. Pretty much everybody. Stadiums Eastern European. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has issues uh, with I mean, it. Even the Dutch have issues with it. We're Americans. We cannot stand on our high horse about yeah. race relations yeah. in our country. So, yeah. So, anyway. Let, yeah, let's go back and talk about Giroud. <laughs> yeah, so Giroud, 36 and still playing some of the best soccer of his career. I mean, the goals he scored are 36 typical. and dicks. That didn't make sense at all. <laughs> the goals he scored are just like, it feels like every time he scores, it's a worldie. Like, he only scores incredible goals. <laughs> That's not true. He scores like he scores like workman like number nine headers. That's true. You're right. Any goal headers, he scores with his foot is a worldie. It's a worldie. <laughs> um... But one of the things I think is interesting is he's a completely different profile from Benzema. Mm-hmm. And he is so good at coming back and being part of the link-up play and being able to feed balls off of him, like use him as a target man. Mm-hmm. Which, in this French team, if you're struggling for a goal, right, part of that could be because Dembele wants to attack the goal, kind of. Mbappe is basically a striker that plays on left wing for France. Benzema is just going forward. Griezmann is a very like goal-first type of player as well mm-hmm. when he's at the 10. So I do think there could be issues in like building a cohesive like string of passes and a cohesive play for France at times and having Giroud as an option to come in off the bench yeah. and just change the way you're playing sure. is a huge tactical advantage, I think. I think that's him. valid. I would push yeah. a little bit back on, because I think Griezmann on the national team tends to play less like... Striker, yeah, like, shatter striker, and more like the creative ten. Yeah, um, which he's always seems to be good at. You know, he's obviously he's had a weird couple of years, so we'll have to see what kind of form he comes into the World Cup with. Also, Benzema has been racing for fitness too. Yeah, so it could Drew might actually be again really important for them if Benzema isn't mm-hmm. like quite ready to see yeah. ninety minutes. Also, this is a condensed World Cup fixture list. You know, it's like usually like at least a week longer than this. They've packed games really tight to finish it before fucking Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> because they're idiots. So he might really come in handy. Mm-hmm. I also think if you, you have two strikers that are older, right, and who play 90 minutes every day, they're going to do it well because they've been doing it and they're mm-hmm. still very capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get so much out of Benzema if he can just be like, all right, I only have to play for an hour. Yeah. And I can do whatever I want for an hour. Like, I don't have right. to worry about keeping some in the tank for the last 10 minutes, right? right. If Giroud is then going to come on for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and be as aggressive as he can be because he only has 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that could be a, a big advantage for guys yeah. who might otherwise struggle to play right. this series of 90 minutes in a row. Yeah. So to wrap up France, um, expectations are to win again, to repeat, but mm-hmm. nobody has repeated since the 80s i mm-hmm. think so yeah. it's really hard and on top of that four of the last five world cup winners crashed out of the group stage mm-hmm. and also they're france and usually <laughs> they ebb and flow between great success and unmitigated disaster yeah so i suppose like yes they'd still even with all these injuries and and drama they do have a squad that's very capable of winning the, the world cup again Definitely. i think it's unlikely just because they've had enough turnover last minute that that seems like hard to overcome, and there's always the issue of Rabio's mom going off on somebody in yes, the in the stands. So <laughs> it could be Rabio's mom that tears this down. Um, I just think it's like, I think it's very possible. I think I think it's just like it's it's a, it's a streak that's unlikely to be broken that soon. The yeah. the back to back World Cup thing. Well, the groups thing is also interesting because 
it's not like even though they do have a theoretically easy group mm-hmm. italy in 2010 were considered very similar to how france are now and like you know considered one of the best teams in the world but not like a favorite for the tournament mm-hmm. and their group was paraguay slovakia and new zealand right and they went out mm-hmm. spain had a tougher spain and germany had tougher groups right so it's not like the craziest thing that they didn't get out um but you know, I think it's not. Yeah. It's not a sure thing that they go through. No, I, I would wanna... be surprised though if they don't make it through this group. I think I well. Denmark obviously has something on them. It is a tough matchup for them. Mm-hmm. But Tunisia and Australia are not particularly strong other members, and they should be. On that note, let's actually talk about Australia. Yeah, because they're really not in their greatest spot as a footballing nation, and they're frankly lucky to make it to this World Cup because they finished third in their Asian qualifying group. Which, and had to go through two playoffs to get here. It is it is weird that they play in Asia. But it is weird. I, mean, I guess it makes sense because of because they'll never. Yeah, they'll never. They, only have the point five qualifier spot. Yep, but they do. It's still, I wish they'd put weird. New Zealand in there too, so they'd have a chance. Although New Zealand wouldn't have a chance to get out. Although New Zealand should have been in this year because they were they like outplayed Costa Rica yeah. in the group and and lost on pens. No, that was Australia. And Peru. Yeah. Sorry, they out they did outplay Costa Rica and lost narrowly not, though. Didn't go to Pens, yeah. And it should and they sort of won that game. They missed a ton of chances. So they could could have very well been in their second World Cup too. Beside the point, Australia finished third in their group in the Asian qualifiers, had to play a two legged playoffs against against UAE, which they got through, and then had to play had to play um Peru, which I thought no chance. Peru's a really good team. They somehow don't concede to Peru for and go to penalties and then they sub in their backup goalkeeper who you might have seen this if you're a if you're a international football fan he go I don't remember his name but he pulled some fucking antics uh and it was it was, was Andrew Redmayne, Redmayne. Yeah, yeah he he did some like crazy like it was like Joe Hart on steroids shit and it worked <laughs> and they got through and I was like the only person in the world outside of Peru that was probably devastated Australia went through because I, I like Peru and I Wanted that for them to go to back to back World Cups. Once, and I so did. I have a football hat right here for the World now Cup twenty eighteen. Very large part of your personality. It's not. It's not that large. Come on. <laughs> I just like you know casually support them, and also you know usually Australia is a, I feel like is a fun team for an outsider to root for. You know. Yeah. But they just don't play well right now. <laughs> they don't have very good players, and this is one of their, I think, weakest collection of players, in recent in the last decade or so. I. Definitely agree with that. Um, particularly up top. I mean, yeah. it's hard to point out a really, really good striker on this team. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they might come in almost a little reliant on Garen Cool, who's at Central Coast. And he's mm-hmm. played for them one time. He's 18 How come years old. every Australian player plays at Central Coast? Because they're <laughs> the best team in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he'll even start. I don't think he will, but he's like... It's supposed to be kind of the future of the Australian. Yeah, where team. did he? Is he moving? Yeah, to Newcastle. Newcastle, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. It's a huge move for him, and I, I think he'll get in the few. Hopefully, of he'll time be the in. future of the, yeah, of the of the national team. So otherwise, yeah, as David is alluding to, number nine is a problem. They struggled to score. They also struggled to not concede. <laughs> they they just, struggled to mark in the box. They, and to be fair, they're missing like the U.S. their first choice center back pairing. Mm-hmm. They do have a couple of decent players. Aaron Moy, Celtic, mm-hmm. former, yeah, he's in, in the midfield. He's kind of the guy that everything goes through. 
if he's playing well, it could their, I think it could be their best chance to get a little stability um, in some of these games. Matthew Ryan, who's a the goalkeeper, he's at Copenhagen now, used to play in the Prem. He's the most capped player on the team. Um, I think if they have any chance in this group, it's because he has some like really crazy, really yeah. crazy games. And he's a very, very good goalkeeper. So. Yeah. And of course, if they go to penalties, they can bring in Andrew Redmayne. Yeah. <laughs> they also have uh, Ashton Hrostich, um, who's on Verona, formerly of Frankfurt, attacking mm. mid. Yeah, obviously Verona haven't been very good. No. And it's, I thought he was okay on Frankfurt. Yeah, I think he's just like... Yeah. Struck. I mean, he's... I'm just Nate. I'm just gra- I'm grasping straws here. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> you know Verona, what I mean? It's just a tough place to be playing well yeah. right now. I do think defensively, they they are struggling right now. But I think if you're an Australian fan, there is some hope for the future. I mean, talk about eight years from now, they have a lot of guys who are like teetering on entering their prime. They have Harry Suter at Stoke, who's really good center back. Uh, Nathaniel Atkinson and Kai Rolls both play for Hearts in the mm. Scottish League, and they've had good. Decent season so far. Joel King at OB. He's only 22. Like, So their defense has a lot of younger pieces who are probably not there for this tournament. But when you talk about the next Asian Cup and World Cup in 2026, where they'll probably be with the expanded field, I feel like it'd be hard for them to miss that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that they have some some guys who are playing really, really good football then. Yep. It's just, it's not... This is kind of a transition tournament for them where you have, you know, you have a group of older players, right? You've already mentioned a lot of them. Aaron Moy, Matthew Leckie, Matt Ryan, um, not the quarterback. <laughs> but then you also have some younger players who are not quite there yet, but yeah. could be one or two years away from being pretty solid players yeah. for the national team. Yeah. Um, tactically, do you know much of what they might be doing i mean they're gonna defend <laughs> yeah like yeah. they like i don't know if it's if it's quite as extreme as this but if you remember like the teams back in the day like 2010 like basically like defense boot the ball to cahill yeah and get some set pieces um i i think that's their only chance mm-hmm. and i think most most concerned about them being porous actually like um Especially against teams as fluid it, up front as France and Denmark, much, I think yeah. they could concede a lot of goals to them. Yeah, like I've watched a lot of a lot of Hearts this year, partially here in the Conference League, which we do cover on this podcast. If you're just listening for the World Cup and want to, you know, maybe continue listening afterwards, we do great coverage of the Europa League and the Conference League. Yeah, we do. And Hearts are in the go Conference check out League. our feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, continue to scroll so. all the way down. Yeah. Go through our entire catalog. It's just like hundreds of hours. We actually content. have a specific episode about hearts. We do. Um, but Kai Rolls and Nathaniel Atkinson have been part of a very up and down hearts defense that has made life easy at times for opponents and like kind of feeds into opponents' play styles a lot. So I do think there are serious question marks about their defense and their ability against stronger opponents. Mm. But when they play a weaker team like Tunisia, who doesn't have a lot of attacking talent, yeah. I think those guys are good enough and smart enough players to not make the same type of mistakes. Like I feel like when they make mistakes, it's because they're just going against someone who's like a little better than them, and they can't overcome that. Yeah. But So like you said, I just struggle to see them doing anything against Denmark or France. Yeah. But I think against Tunisia, they're a team that can beat teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. 
I think expectation wise, yeah, don't embarrass. They're in the don't embarrass themselves category. I think they'll want they'll look to that Tunisia game, and that's the second match day, and figure that they can win that game, and that should be their that should be their upside. I think. Mm-hmm. Move on to Denmark. Yeah, it's a team I like very much. They're tactically flexible, mm-hmm. which is fun. It seems to be like a key thing to longevity and success in in this new era of football. Definitely, and national teams can get very very stale mm-hmm. because I mean teams get a reputation and they kind of stick to their national identity, right? Like Italy are always defensive, Germany are always going to get impressed, Spain are always going to play with a lot of short passes, but the Denmark <laughs> team they can do a lot of different. Excuse me, but the Denmark team. They can do a lot of different things. They like to switch between a 3-4-3 and a 4-3-3 formation a lot. Uh, so definitely going to be hard to kind of keep yeah. an eye out for what they're doing. It's a fun, there's, a, there's a difference between teams that are reactive and passive mm-hmm. and reactive and active at yes. the same time, which is what I think Denmark are. They're reactive in the sense that they'll adjust their formation to their opponents, but they will do so not as a means to like, just like hope they can sit back and, and counterattack, mm-hmm. but to do intelligent stuff like specific to those teams, you know, per set, like for instance, if one team is strong on the wings or they feel the wing backs maybe struggle with build up or something, you know, they can trap them. They can they can they can spring presses like specific to a, a pocket on the pitch. Yeah. One thing I think it's like the difference between looking to neutralize an opponent's strength versus yeah. looking to isolate their weaknesses yeah and i think denmark are very well good said. at like picking out the weaknesses in opponents yeah. and figuring out how they can allow their best players to attack those weaknesses yeah they're smart and they there's not really so many weak spots on the on the pitch you know maybe mm-hmm. you'd say the number nine position like yeah. an out and out striker might be and but it, it otherwise have to be though because yeah. you have guys like and they're creative creative you know yeah uh, Yusuf Poulsen, Casper Dolberg, they can mm-hmm. be very, very good players. They're just not always in form, can be mm-hmm. a little inconsistent. Yeah. Um, Braithwaite, richest man in football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that buyout. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because of the company. I mean, he also, yeah, yeah, but yeah, also. It's family buyout. business. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's playing for Espanyol after a very rough Barca spell. Yeah, he was just there as a stopgap. We all yeah. knew. He knew. He knew what he was there for. Keeping <laughs> that weird. Spanish post transfer window transfer window yeah where you're allowed to bring in a player to replace an injury mm-hmm. um they also have kind of more in the upfront realm but not really upfront Mikkel Damsgaard mm. for Brentford really like Damsgaard's good yeah and Andreas Skobolson at Club Brugge has been stupendous this year I think everybody who watched him before he moved to Brugge in Syria can tell you that he was gonna be so good for them yeah they have a lot of they have a lot of depth in certain positions too, mm-hmm. especially in sort of like midfield op areas. Yeah, and they're I could just say midfield, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I think that that helps them with the five substitute thing. Mm-hmm. I think they have the option of of just keep putting on like workman like players that do diff- little bit slightly different things to maybe give them an advantage. Yeah, I think um, let's can we take a moment to to recognize Christian Eriksen's inclusion. Yep. After yeah. almost after literally dying. In the first yeah. game of the Euros a year and a half ago, and now he'll be out there starting at the World Cup. Kind of miraculous. Yeah, and he's a key player for them, and he's he's might been, be their best player. Might be been kind of the face of the squad for yeah for a while. 
yeah, probably eight, seven, eight years at this point. Yeah, and I love Erickson dearly, and he's 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 in like eight packs form with this Danish yeah. team. It's and really it's, built around like maximizing his creativity, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, getting the most out of him is something they're really, really good at. You also, I want to highlight. You mentioned like the players who kind of come in and very workmanlike and can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. One of the players I want to highlight was Daniel Vaz, who's at Bronby now. He used to play for Celta Vigo for a while over in Spain, and he. I just want to highlight him because he, I think, exemplifies that. Danish tactical flexibility in that he can play in the center mid. He can play center back if you really need him to. He can play right back, right wing back. He's played right wing. He's played left back. Like he can play anywhere on the field you need him to. I think for this team though, it's like you sub him in and the defense, the opposing team has no idea if he's going to be a more defensive right back who can sit back on you and like help you lock up defensively or suddenly he can just burst up forward and really open up the attack for you. So I think players like him just kind of exemplify what makes this Danish team hard to play against, even if he's not going to play every game. Mm-hmm. Um, he I mean, used to be one of their star players, now he's a little older. But also want to point out they have Simon Kier, who's a 2021 Ballon d'Or finalist, and really good center back. So plays just getting this Milan, Milan reference in, yeah. yeah. I think no shit. Pierre-Emerick Hoybier has been tremendous he's played like every fucking minute for years and years at Tottenham Mm -hmm. and while previously I think Spurs fans including occasionally myself have uh some frustration in that he's like a little bit of a more of a blunt object than a finesse guy Mm -hmm. but he actually in the Conte system this year he's been able to get a little more active in pushing forward and he's actually scored a couple of decent goals and he's like really key to keeping that in, in sort of a similar way, but maybe a slightly he'll he'll sit back, but he can get a little more advanced too, mm-hmm. of of keeping getting that dog, you know, yeah. in the dude, midfield his, in the press. His ex dog, yeah, through the roof. Yeah, dude, his dog is huge. I also think because he's next to Erickson in that midfield, that that's really crucial is his ability to almost not he's not really a box to box player but he can do it mm-hmm. and his ability to be kind of the motor in the midfield well yeah erickson can and he never stops running yeah never stops running yeah um, and some of those i just wanted to shout out a couple of brentford players too mm-hmm. you you mentioned uh who did you mention Norgard damsgaard there's also christian norgaard and matthias jensen that will come off the bench at times yeah yeah uh, we should just point out joaquin mela from atalanta very good fullback mm-hmm. and can play center back as well. I feel like the whole Denmark or Denmark segment is like, oh, and this guy, he's kind of fun. I like this guy. Yeah, they just have a lot of very fun players, yeah. likable um, guys. Well, I, I don't know about their politics, but likable sure on the pitch. Danish, I'm sure they likeable have pretty the likable politics as well. Yeah, I feel like every time we hear news about a international football their footballer though, it's like never good news. Yeah, like, what oh, their he's politics a huge are? Bolsonaro's a oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like really everyone on the Brazilian squad is like a huge Bolsonaro. Yeah, as soon as you, as soon as you're like rich, you're just. <laughs> Um, you just told me some bad news about Luka Modric, that he's probably conservative. Luka Modric bad. Oh, yeah. god damn it. Yeah. Um, Who are the good ones? I mean, um, I know. Like, uh, <laughs> like Saka. Yeah. And Rashford. Yeah, Sterling. They're, they're good guys. ones. Um, I should also, we should mention a big weak spot for them. Will be a goalkeeper. Mm. So, Kasper Schmeichel is almost definitely the starter. He's yeah. been the starter for years. He's soft this year. He's been really bad this year. He got <laughs> and he was kind of bad last year, too. With Nice. Yeah. Um, he had a bad year for Brent for uh, Leicester last year also. And people were questioning why did you sell him without a backup goalkeeper? Mm-hmm. Um, and they 
I guess they had Danny they Ward. They had a right? backup goalkeeper, yeah. But Danny Ward is not a perfect quality goalkeeper. No, but he's probably like But I think that speaks volumes. I don't think there's that much difference between his performance this year and Michael's last year. And I think like that speaks goals volumes prevented to it, stats. That I don't, yeah. You're looking at Leicester having the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and a guy who is probably a lower end of the championship caliber goalkeeper. Oh, God. I am not high on Danny Ward. That's but, harsh. I don't think he's that bad. But Casper Schmeichel was moved on at, I mean, obviously he's 36, so that's played into it. Yeah. But they felt like the difference between Schmeichel and Danny Ward is not much, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks volumes to where Casper Schmeichel is in his career right now. Yeah, and this is, he's certainly trending down. Yeah, this will probably be his last games for Denmark as well, 36. A little uh, depth, probably. I, I don't know. Like, do they have any I mean, up-and-coming keepers? Like, he Rono might keep going, at dude. Union Berlin, he's their backup at Union Berlin mostly, Yeah, right? But... They, they might just him. keep going, dude. Christensen at Earth of Berlin is 23, so maybe yeah. he's the goalkeeper of the future. But yeah. They don't have a lot of I wouldn't of be shocked if he or goes... Or they also have um, Andreas Jungdahl, I think, is Danish. If and... Schmeichel still has all his limbs in by the next Euros, I wouldn't be shocked to see him play one more tournament just because yeah. it's not like anyone's like waiting to take his I would, place. I would bet that. by the Euros, it's Christensen, and then by the World Cup, I think Jungdahl, who's in the Primavera of Milan... Is like he's considered one of the best goalkeeping prospects in the Italian Primavera. So expecting four years that he's moved on to like a mid-table team in Italy or maybe back to Denmark or mm-hmm. Nor or Netherlands or something. Sure. Um, I would expect he's probably somewhere in the fold in the future. But yeah, yeah, it's an issue for them right now. Well, uh, let's wrap these beautiful Danes up then. Yeah. In expectations, I think obviously get out of the group, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing, though, in this group is if you win, you probably avoid Argentina. Yeah, you become second, <laughs> and you get Mexico or Poland, yeah. which who aren't aren't who are, yeah, for very, sure. Yeah, but, but much more favorable than playing a tournament favorite like Argentina. If Denmark are able to avoid at that kind of round of sixteen matchup, I wouldn't be shocked to see them make another deep run mm-hmm. at all. I think, and I think they'll consider that their upside. Yeah, I definitely think they have the potential to make a deep run. It will depend Depends on, on matchup, matchups. Um, Honestly, they could beat Argentina, but I just yeah. wouldn't favor them. Obviously. I could see that they could be a team that pulls yeah. a huge upset. The great well. thing about Denmark is that they could literally beat anybody. Yeah. There's no one they couldn't beat in a one-off game, mm-hmm. which is great fun. Yeah, yeah uh, so yeah, let's wrap up. Group. Let's it wrap up Group D with Tunisia, Tunisia. which I'm going to be honest, we do our best to do some research and have commentary on on you know the less favorable teams mm-hmm. and kind of give them the respect that they deserve for making this tournament you know not just skipping over them in tunisia's case <laughs> there's not a lot to say there i think they're going to be unfortunately one of the worst teams to watch at the tournament mm-hmm. yeah, because they're so boring and they they just defend like motherfuckers um so coach jadal kadri took charge of the team in january and they didn't concede for his first seven matches but, of course, they also don't score. In the World Cup playoff, in, in African qualification against Mali, they had less than one XG combined over the course of those both of those legs, mm-hmm. despite playing against a Mali team with 10 men for, like, 50 minutes in one of those games. A combined one XG. The only goal in that fixture was an own goal from a back pass. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even related to them. They didn't even, literally no pressure. The guy just, like, passes it right back into his own net. And in last year's AFCON, they missed three pens from three different players. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I also want to point out that 
FIFA considered removing Tunisia and threatened them with removal from the tournament mm. because of the actual Tunisian government's involvement with the FA and, you know, trying to kind of make behind the scenes things happen at the FA. Uh, so do you want to point that out there? Mm. That like there was a lot of controversy surrounding the team coming into this, which could weigh on players as well. Mm. Who definitely they earned their way here for they sure. Did. And it's and don't be, be watching fair. this being like, oh like screw these guys. Yeah. It's, it was a Tunisian government, not yeah. the Tunisian team. And this is their the they've qualified back to back for World Cups now. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. They did that in 06 and 02 mm. as well. Um this is only their this is only their sixth time, I believe. Mm-hmm. qualifying so congratulations to them uh the best case for them here is you doing what they do making it really hard on denmark and france to score and you know if you're able to get a shock result against one of them you get a nil nil draw or something and you beat australia you have a chance yeah um i also we should before i do my predictions just point out some of the like kind of potential breakout players mm-hmm. in this um we have isa laduni who plays for frank Farros and has been pretty good on a team that really shocked a lot of people in European competitions this year with their performance and topping sure a pretty tough, tough group. We have Mohamed Ali Ben Ramdan, who's playing in Tunisia, but he's only 23 and one of the biggest stars in the league. So maybe he can kind of show what he can do. And then you have Hannibal Mejri, who's 18 years old, plays for Burnham City, mm. uh, who have a, had a good run of teenagers recently. They so, do. Uh, They've already built their statue to Jude Bellingham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, they played uh, friendly in France recently, and packed the Stade de France. Mm. So that was against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Brazil, yes, maybe they got their ass kicked five one. Yeah, they did, but I think the most important thing I'm looking for is just like the yeah the stands there were incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. there was some uh, colorism chance going on, sure, which is a major issue, obviously. Uh, but I think Tunisia for them, the game against France is really circled. It's a lot of the players are from France. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a that. huge Tunisian expat community in France, mm-hmm. and I think for them, it's just playing well against France is like what they want most out of this World Cup. Mm-hmm. I don't think they can get out of this group. Nor do I. Uh, but I think they just want to have a good game against France. Mm-hmm. Should we go through each of the games and let's do it? Predictions. First up, Denmark and Tunisia, day one, first game. Denmark 2-0 over Tunisia. I have it 3-0. Nice. And then France and Australia. I have that 3-1 to France. And it's 4-1. Nice. Love it. All right, second match day is Tunisia against Australia. I'm taking a turgid 1-1 draw. I'm taking Australia 1-0. Nice. And then we have Denmark and France. I see we've both written 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Yeah. I don't I don't think Denmark will beat France three times in a row. But yeah. I do think that they will give them trouble and that France will be maybe a little bit off mm-hmm. and concede there. I think France could struggle against back threes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so might be something to look out for since Denmark can use a back three. Uh, then we have, on the final match day, we have Tunisia against France. I'm taking France 2-0. Okay, I'm thinking France 2-1. I think Tunisia get... Get the Tunisian bounce. Yeah, they get the um, goal and everyone celebrates and then they lose 2 Yeah, they So that's interesting more. because then what this will come down to, the Denmark game, is how many goals Denmark can score because they're t- assuming they beat Australia, they're tied on points mm-hmm. and it would come down to goal difference. I have Denmark 3-0, thus topping France in the group by one goal differential. I have Denmark 2-0, which would see them top France by 
one goal as well. All right. Wow. <laughs> so we have Denmark and France atop, seven points apiece. Denmark ahead of France on goal differential. I have Australia and Tunisia with one point each. I have Australia with three points and Tunisia with zero. But I think, actually, I've put them in the wrong order because of goal difference here. Yeah. It looks to me like, yes, then Tunisia would come in third in my with your list. Yeah. But with the same point. Yeah. Great. Well, we've done it. We've done it. We've Thank done you. group... D's nuts and yeah stick around because uh, group E is coming up baby yeah go listen to that one after this group E baby and group E spoiler one of my faves Ooh, wow looking forward to that episode Bye-bye.